Um, and I actually, it's on your notes, Philippians 4, it's written there, Philippians uh, 4, 8, and 9, Philippians 4, 8, and 9, and then Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're gonna, and then we're going to go to some other scriptures too, but be ready. Philippians 4, 8, and 9, now I'm, I'm continuing our new series called uh, It's Not My Fault. Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, I think last Sunday was a kickoff, a great message for for uh, helping us to overcome the culture of blame. And I'm going to confess to you again, I am the king of blame. I am the king of excuses. I, ha- I can blame anyone as just as good as anyone else, and I can make excuses for my life just as good as anyone else. And we live in a, we live in a culture and a society where responsibility is a nasty word. Personal responsibility has become a nasty word. It's always someone else's fault. It's always the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my pastor's fault. And God is saying, that, that's fine if you're going to blame everyone, but you're still responsible for your life. Amen? Each one of us is responsible for our life, for our church, our home, our community, our workplaces. So if you missed last week, you can go to our website, www.rockvilleag.com. Go to podcast. You can click on it. Last week's sermon is It's Not My Fault. You can listen to it. You can download it. If you want the CD, you can contact the office. So today we're talking about that. We're continuing on. But today we're going to go on from blame and, and, and we're going to move to thinking differently. God gave you a big brain, right? You are intelligent, you're smart, you're good looking. You probably even smell good because you took a shower, right? Some of you, you I mean, you brushed your teeth today. I hope you brush your teeth every day. I'm just kidding with you. But, but you are a powerhouse for God. You are gifted beyond what you think you are. And I tell you before, like this before, a lot of times I am my own worst critic. I will beat myself up more than anyone else when I'll call myself a loser. I'll say bad things about myself. I mean, I'll just, I will just, just make myself just the worst person in the world. And God really doesn't like us doing that. Did you know that? And so here it is. Here we go. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Do I have it? It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Isn't that awesome? Come on, but typically what do we think about? Whatever is negative, whatever is discouraging, whatever is depressing, whatever is perverted, whatever is distracting, we think about those things. Why? Because we're humans and we need to get control of our minds, right? We need to learn to think differently. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, I don't know if I have it, I put it at the back. I might have it at the back. We're gonna re- I'm going to just read it to you. Deuteronomy 6, 8 through 9, uh, 6 through 9. It says, These commandments that I give you today are, are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. And bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now God was telling the children of Israel, study and know the word. Talk about the ways of God. When you're out working, talk about the ways of God. When you're laying down at night, when you're at dinner tables, write it on your hands. Think about the word of God because the word of God will bring life to your souls. Amen? Now, the brain, Ambrose Beer, Beer said this, brain, an apparatus which we think we think. Do, you, do I have that? Do I have that slide? Yes, no? Brain, an apparatus with which we think we think. Okay? It's kind of supposed to be humorous. Are you, do, just do this real quick. Is your heart beating? Okay, I just want to make sure that your brain, brain waves are moving. So, would you believe it if someone said to you today that your mind can play tricks on you? Would you believe that? 
Some of you are like, no way, uh-uh, pastor. I'm not going to talk about those voices I hear. <laughs> I don't believe it. It is scientifically and psychologically uh, proven that, that uh, the human mind can play tricks on a person. I've told you a couple times about this story. One time, um, uh, myself and another youth pastor, this was back when uh, we drove a, a bunch of teenagers, high school seniors, to Central Bible College, which is Springfield, uh, Missouri. We were driving from Fruita, Colorado, Grand Junction, Colorado. That's a long haul. We drove them in a van, and we drove there, and we got there, and, and uh, we, we took them to this thing, this college event. They were checking out the college. We got in the van. We drove back. We drove 24 hours. Him, the, the other youth pastor, I just said, you know what, let's just drive. We're not going to stop at a hotel. We can make it. We got Mountain Dew. We got chips. We can make the drive. So we took Mountain Dew, we had chips and, and popcorn and, and cookies, and it was, I tell you, my stomach was so messed up after. Anyway, so we were driving, and we're like, you know, I remember driving, it's dark at night, I'm like, man, you know, oh, hand me another can of Mountain Dew. Go, 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 you know, and I'm like, oh, man, stop, pull over, i got to empty this stuff now. And so we were getting in the mountains of Colorado. It's now it's daylight. We're getting closer. We're probably a couple hours away from home. We're in, we're in uh, Glenwood Canyon. Beautiful. If you've ever been up Glenwood Canyon, uh, it's a beautiful drive. And so we're just driving along. And all of a sudden I look over and say, hey, look, there's some kangaroos. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We're driving along. And you get about this. In the mountains of Colorado, there are no kangaroos. We're driving along and all those people say, I start laughing. He starts laughing and said, those weren't kangaroos. Our brains were so tired, they were playing tricks on us. They were deer. <laughs> Looked like kangaroos. We were so tired, our brains were playing tricks on us. Now, there's another event when, one time, I'm going to say another event, where my, my brain played a trick on me. I wasn't tired, I wasn't sleeping, uh, I mean, I'd slept good, and I was taking my family to this awesome Mexican restaurant in, in Midway, Utah. We were driving over this, over this nice, beautiful uh, pass, and we're coming into this place called Heber Valley, and the sun was beginning to set, and we took this back way. I said, Mom and Dad, my mom and dad were there, Olivia was with me, I think we had Michaela at the time, and we're driving in, in our van, and, and I was like, this is an awesome drive through these ranches and farms, and then we'll go to this Mexican restaurant. It's awesome. And uh, did I mention it's an awesome Mexican restaurant? Uh, and anyway, so we're driving along. The sun's starting to set, and we're driving by these cattle ranches. They have cattle out there just like we do here. And so, so we're coming along, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is wrong? So I start slowing down, like, what's, what's wrong? Said, Can you see that bull? He's right out in the road. We've got to be careful because I grew up in Colorado. Bulls are not these little, they're huge. And a bull can rip your car apart with one smack and your car could go. And, and I'm like, oh my goodness, sorry. Everybody slow down. And I'm getting closer and I'm driving. Like, man, I said, man, so we, does this rancher know his bull is out in the front? What is going on? I'm getting closer, I'm getting closer. And guess what? It's a metal cutout of a bull. My mind had played a trick on me because the sun was just right. And I was like, oh my goodness. And so we were laughing. And of course, I'm still teased by it. Olivia will tease me about that. Because sometimes she'll say, watch out for that bull, you know. And I'm um, thinking, that's real funny. Uh, and so until you, a bull comes out. Because in high school, let me tell you, the steer would get out. The cows can be big too. And the bulls would get out sometimes on the road. And one time my friend and I were driving. We were coming to school and we were chasing this cow. And the cow was bigger than the car. And we're driving and this cow is running probably 40 miles an hour. We're like, you know what, we probably shouldn't do this. Because that cow could just turn like that. And we're toast. So that was why, okay, I'm just giving you my excuses now, okay? I'm, I'm the chief of excuses. All right, so, here we go. Your mind can play tricks on you. Your mind can deceive you. And so let's talk about, number one, thinking and the truth. Thinking 
and the truth. Now, if you would turn there, or you can follow along with me, is, is Numbers chapter 13. I'm, I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. Numbers 13, 26 through 33. I might refer to this on occasion. While you're turning there, let me just pray. Father God, we submit our minds, our thoughts, our spirits, our bodies to you. Father, today we want to, we want to have biblical thinking. We want to have your thinking, God. We want to have the truth that will set us free, God. And I pray that you would open our minds and our thoughts and our spirits because you've given every one of us the greatest supercomputer ever and it's called the human brain. Every one of us have one and we want to employ it. We want to use it. We want it, we want it not to be deceived or to deceive us. We want it to think clearly and to act rationally and do the right things for the glory of God. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Numbers 13, 26-33, this talks about the children of Israel were preparing to go into the promised land. Moses sent out 12 spies. You remember this, this account? He goes out. The 12 spies go out. They see it. They, they, they see the milk and honey. They bring back some, some of the fruit of the land. And they're bringing it back. And, and, and so they're, they're, telling, they're, telling, they're, they're bringing a report in front of the whole congregation. A mil, over a million people. Okay? So here it is. Uh, in fact, I will read verse 26. Uh, Numbers 13, verse 26. It says... Then they came back to Moses, Aaron, and the whole Israel community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They, there they reported to them the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which we, you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Now, we even saw uh, descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb, listen, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we certainly can do it. Okay, so he was a can-do. Joshua and Caleb like, We can do it. Let's go. Sure, it's big. Let's do it. Okay, but listen, listen to what the rest of the people said. Then verse 31, But then the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We, we seem like grasshoppers, grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. So two of the spies said, we can do it. And the other four, twelve, ten said, we can't. And the other ten psyched everyone out. And God says, we look like grasshoppers. They said, did you see what they said? We look like grasshoppers in our own eyes and then in theirs. You see, they, their minds began to play tricks on them. Because this was bigger than them. It was something new and God told them to take it. And so let me talk about this just for a moment. Thinking in truth, letter A, catastrophic thinking catastrophic thinking. You can write these down if you want. Number, letter A, catastrophic thinking. Many times we allow our minds to make a mountain out of a molehill, right? I'm good at that sometimes. I will make something small and I'll make a big deal out of it when it really shouldn't be. And what catastrophic thinking does, it looks at a small problem in our lives and pictures it as escalating until we, sh- we are sure a disastrous outcome. In other words, here's how sometimes we think catastrophically. If I miss a payment bankruptcy will happen to me. Some of you actually think like that. If I have a fight in my, in my marriage, we'll end in divorce. Oh no, no fights. Or, if I forget to take this pill, I'll go to a hospital. Right? So, so what happens is, some of you may not think of that right, but over time we begin to fear, oh my goodness, the economy's bad. Oh my goodness, terrorism. So what happens, we begin to live in fear. We begin to have catastrophic thinking. 
And catastrophic thinking can cause serious problems in our ability to keep us from being going forward, to keep us from living by faith, to keep us from having joy. Joy, look at the children of Israel. Ten of the spies said, we can't do it. We seem like grasshoppers and eyes. And so the people, the people cried out to God, oh God, help us. You see, catastrophic thinking can paralyze us and keep us stuck in anxiety. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes I get discouraged watching the TV about the medicines that are supposed to help us. You ever watch that? If you take this medicine, and then it says side effects include this, death, heart attack, bleeding, upset stomach. I, my favorite is oily discharge. I'm like, oh, I don't want, okay, never mind. Uh, uh, pimple, I mean, you know, and so all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, and then, then you open the paper, like, oh my goodness, you watch the news, and oh, oh, help us, Jesus. That is catastrophic thinking. And people live in fear thinking about all the bad stuff. Instead, of, you know what? Bad stuff does happen, but God is bigger than bad stuff. Amen? So catastrophic thinking can lead us and lead our minds into automatically reaching conclusions based upon perceptions and not reality. Remember that bull I saw? I perceived there was a bull in this road, but it was just a metal cutout. Right? And a lot of times our minds will perceive, oh my goodness, it's going to be the end of the world, this and that, and all that. If I miss this, I don't take this. If I do this. And so then our minds get us psyched out. And we need the truth. Amen? So let's move on to the next one. The next one is distorting thinking can render less powerless. I talked about that. No one has a perfect mind. Did you understand this? There's no one with a perfect mind. There's no perfect person except for Jesus Christ. Right? Every one of us, every one of us struggle with distorted thinking. I don't care who you are. We all struggle with it. But what happens is our thinking gets colored by our environment. It gets colored by the things that we experience as a kid. It gets colored by... In fact, um, I do not, and, and please don't ever offer and you, and you have it, I do not like black licorice. I, I can eat red licorice, but I will not eat black licorice because I had a bad experience as a kid. I'm serious. I was probably three or four years old. I went over to a neighbor's house and, and uh, uh, we were playing. He had a little cap gun. You remember those? I know that it's not PC anymore. A little ca- cowboy cap gun. And, 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 uh, uh, and in fact, I have a scar on my hand where, where this, my friend took the cap gun and he shot it right on my hand and it went pop and I have a permanent scar. And I was screaming and crying so much pain and his mom was mad at him and I think she swatted his rear end once and, and he had, because before when I was there he was showing me this black licorice up above where we couldn't crawl up and get it. See, that's for later. That's a treat. And I was looking so forward to He was looking so forward and his mom got so mad at him and spanked him and said, uh, Stan, you need to go home and you go to your room and she gave me the black licorice and guess what? From that point I was like, I don't want black licorice because it was a negative experience in my life. So guess what? I don't like black licorice. My perception is because of the bad experience. And what happens is many of you in this room, all of us in this room, have had a bad experience with a group of people, a work situation, a family member, such and such, such and such. And so now in our minds now, please listen to what I say, is now we always think of when we get into another situation, all of a sudden, oh, but that didn't work good that time. It's not going to work good this time. That's not always reality, right? That's perception. And so sometimes our distorted thinking gets deceived by our past. And so we, we miss out on going forward. And what happens is this type of thinking can make us powerless. It can make us blaming others. And it's hard, it's hard to go, go above this sometimes. So I'm challenging you. Lord, help me to think right. Help me to get rid of distorted thinking. Amen? Are you doing good? 
You see, what happens then is you may look at your options and think, well, I can't do that anymore, or I shouldn't do that, I had a bad experience. So here, letter C is truth and thinking. Truth and thinking, 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. It says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled and set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had before uh, when you had lived in ignorance. So basically, really, it's saying, prepare your mind. Prepare your mind. Be self-controlled. God gave you an awesome instrument called the brain. Say, I have a brain. It's awesome. It's a gift from God. And I, through Jesus, can control it. Okay, so some of you, that might, be, that might be the linchpin of, of liberty today, is saying, I can control my mind. Some of us need to just fine-tune it. We need to tune out the junk. We need to fine-tune it. Amen? We need to get it in control. You need to get it sleep. You need to you need to maybe you need to maybe detox from the internet. You need to detox from your your. In fact, I was funny. I took my kids to the Great Frederick County Fair, and I was walking. And, and sometimes I'm going to be. I get impatient when people are just kind of shuffling around, meandering. And 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 what really makes me impatient is when they pull out their cell phone and they start doing that, and they're like blocking traffic and I'm like. A, and so I saw all these zombies at the state fair. They're all like. And I thought myself, you know, they're not really, I mean, they're trying to think, but they couldn't drive and walk and think. And so the, their mind was cluttered. And you see, some of you need to cut some clutter out to get control of your brain. And you should never drive and text, right? None of you do that, right? Okay? And so, so some of us, we need to cut some stuff out so we can be self-controlled up here. Right? Are you doing good? So let's talk about number two is making the shift. Let's start making the shift. Letter A is our minds are not always telling the truth. We've kind of talked about that. Your thinker sometimes thinks thoughts that have nothing to do with reality, right? I mean, you and I, we are, God gives us a great idea. He gives us a brain that can dream and it can, it can work out multiplications and, 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 and chemistry problems, and, but also can make things into problems that aren't really problems, right? Right? Are you following me? Okay, so, so the bad news though sometimes is our thinker always tends to come across as sure. Remember I talked about the, the bull, the cutout. I was sure that was a two-ton bull coming out in the street. I was sure of it. My heart was starting to pound because I've been around two-ton bulls. Okay, you don't mess around them. My heart was starting, I was slowing down. I was like, oh my goodness, get ready to call the police. And of course we drive by and it's just a cutout. Okay, my perception was off. I was deceived by my own mind. You understand? The good news is, is we can begin to take control of our thinking by telling ourselves the truth, by living in the truth. Amen? Letter B is we can shift our thinking into ways that are best for us. Now, this is not just repeating over and over, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. Uh, it's going to be a great day. I'm gonna, it's going to be a great day. How many of you do that? You sit in front of the mirror every day. You know, you should think thoughts like that, but sometimes those thoughts just don't always get you where you want to be, right? Are you following me? But what happens is you need to begin to shift your thought patterns. You need to stop thinking how bad it is because it is a, we live in a sinful world. And you need to stop thinking like that and start thinking, you know what, God is still in control. Amen? You've got to say, God, help me to stop looking at the negative. The economy is going to fail. The world's going to fail. My kids are going to fail. I'm going to fail. Th- those are not thoughts from God, by the way. Those are your thoughts and those are Satan's thoughts. And you need to say, those are not of God. So you need to begin to change your thought pattern. 
and start really looking in into the truth and use your mind for dreaming and not fantasizing that's negative. Amen? Are you following me? Okay? You must be willing to question your perception of things. Is that really going to happen? Will that really happen? It could, but on the other aspect, is it, it won't. Right? Are you following me? Okay, so question yourself sometimes. Question what you're seeing in the world. Question what you're hearing your brain say. Because you see, listen to this, reality is larger than what our minds can sometimes grasp. Do you understand this? Your mind cannot always grasp reality. And so it begins to fill in empty spots, right? You've always done this, right? Parents, when you tell your kids to call you and they haven't called you in an hour, what does your mind start thinking? You start filling in the blanks, don't you? They got in a car accident. They got abducted. They're out robbing the bank. Right? Come on now. Your mind starts filling in the blanks and that's not reality. Oh, what happened? Oh, my phone died. You know, charge your phone. You know, right? Well, I, there was no service. You know, there was a meteoric shower. Yeah, right. Whatever. Like, I'm gonna, you know, but you see, we, we, we fill in the blanks and it's not always reality. You see what I'm saying? So instead of letting your mind just kind of just think things that are just... Begin to take control of your thoughts. Okay? Maybe, maybe they did forget to charge their phone. Maybe they're having such a good time they just forgot to call me. Right? That does happen. Right? Right? Well, my boss hates me. Well, maybe your boss is just a nasty person. Maybe they just hate everybody. Maybe being nice to your boss will make them nicer to you. Do you see what I'm saying? That could be reality. You see, people who want to go forward and who are into success will make their perceptions bend to reality. The problem is we try to make reality bend to our perceptions. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know my kids got an accident. I know the world's going to end tomorrow. And so we're trying to make reality bend to our perception. It's like a two-year-old kid who hates their parents because their parents said you can't have any candy. And they know that their parents hate them because their parents don't want them to have rotten teeth and to stay up all night, right? The child wants to bend their parents to their perception. And sometimes as humans, we try to bend reality to our perception. Do you see what I'm saying? God, it's not fair. This life's not worth it. Things just aren't, you know. Or, or we, we remember wrong perceptions. L- listen to what I say before you get all mad at me, okay? Hear me what I, as I say. And this is, these are words that I've heard, said, maybe I've said, maybe I, I've talked to my friends. All white people are bad. All black people are bad. I've heard those two phrases from white people and black people when I was a kid. And I refused to believe those. Because, of course, my dad would, would as he would say, he'd whoop me. If I ever thought or said stuff like that. He says, don't you dare. He says, judge people by who they are, not by their color. Okay? So maybe you had an experience with black people that weren't good when you were a kid. Or white people, or Latinos, or Asians, or Indians, or Pakistanis, or whoever else I'm missing. Martians, I don't know. And you had a bad experience with them when you were a kid. doesn't mean that every person you run into that's of that race is a bad person. Do you see what I'm saying? So what you're trying to do is you're trying to make reality bend to your perception. Did it come home for some of you now? Here's another one. All Republicans are haters. All Democrats are socialists. Not true. 
And so what happens, we, we hear what the news says, we hear what your co-workers say, and then we begin to paint everyone as, as that. Do you see what I'm saying? We're making reality, we're trying to say, reality, you must bend to my perception. Christians, get control of your mind. Amen? Let God do that. So number three, what your mind distorts. Are you following me? You still love me? You still awake? Here's what your mind distorts. Letter A, distorted thinking, statement number one. I've tried everything and nothing helps. Oh, I'm good at this one. I've tried everything and nothing helps. We've all said this. We've all believed this. And what you're saying is that you and I are saying, I I feel like I've exhausted every possible solution and there is no answer for this problem. Right? Now, in some cases, that might be true. But I find in my life it's not always true. It's me making excuses. Remember, I'm the king of excuses and I'm the king of blame. And what happens is we begin to say, there, there is no way. I've tried everything. Nothing will help. Okay? There's, there's, there, and what happens is you make excuses and you get yourself into, tr- into trouble. There's two things you need to ask yourself. Okay? When you make that statement, when you say, I've tried everything and nothing helps and my situation is not going to change, you need to ask yourself, Two questions. Number one, what is everything? When you say, I've tried everything and nothing else, just say, okay, what is everything? Did I really try everything? Really? Did I, come on. stand, be honest with you. Or you say, whatever your name is, Bob, Frank, Jane, Sally. Really? Did I really try everything? Okay? Come on. Be honest with yourself. Am I really trying everything? Then the next question, after you say, what is everything? Then you say, what do you mean by try? I mean, did you really try? Come on, Stan. Did you really get up off the couch? Did you put your texting device down and actually go knocking on doors looking for the job? Did you actually send your resume out? Did you actually try that? Do you see what I'm saying? What is your definition of try? Now, another part of distorted thinking, I need to move on. Letter B is distorted thinking, I can't. I can't. Number two is I can't. Letter B, two is I can't. I can't thinking is the opposite of can do. Can't do is the opposite of can do. In fact, it literally, it literally is can't do thinking. I can't do it. It's not going to work. It won't work. I can't thinking shuts the doors of opportunities. You've, you've said you can't, so you stop. You're not going to try. So you've shut the door for opportunities. I can't get a new job. I can't save this marriage. I can't ever get ahead. I can't be healed. What have you done? You shut the door on can. Right? And what happens is we begin, we begin to become afraid of failure. We become afraid of trying. And you see, listen to this. Listen, friends. We live in a society where we're trying to shield everyone from failure. We're trying to shield our kids from making mistakes. We're trying to shield our society from having to have to live by faith. And what happens is we think failure is bad when really, listen to this, failure can be your friend. Failure can make you grow up. Failure can make you stronger. And so when you just cut off everything and say, I can't, and you don't want to fail, you don't want to try, you're failing yourself by not allowing yourself to grow. Right? Some of you have started a business from scratch. You didn't have a billion dollars capital. You just went out there and you said, you know what, if this thing fails, it fails. But a lot of times people have done that, they've been successful. In fact, successful people in this world, listen to this, are people who said, I can. Can do. 
Okay, now baseball's on. The Washington Nationals are in the playoffs. It's exciting. It's pretty exciting. Somebody like baseball, who cares? You know. Now, how many of you know that when a person is a strikeout king, sometimes they hold another record? Does anybody know what that record is? In baseball. Anybody know baseball? How many of you here this morning? So baseball, there's this little ball, and they throw it, and there's, there's like nine fielders out, and there's a batter, and the batter hits the ball. And so... If he strikes out and he keeps trying to hit home runs, I just gave the answer, a lot of times the strikeout king is also sometimes the hitting king or the home run king. Babe Ruth, how many of you know Babe Ruth? Okay, let me think, let me think of another sport here. Um, ping pong. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so, so in baseball, the person that sometimes has a strikeout record also has a hitting record. Because even though they keep striking out, they keep trying. And they keep learning. And, and so Babe Ruth was one of the ba- greatest baseball players. His personal life was probably shambles. He was a strikeout king, but he was also a home run king for many, many decades. And so when you say you can't, you're shutting out all possibility of trying. But when you say, I can't, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to, I'm going to lose out a little bit, but I can make it through God. I can do great things. Amen? Are you following me? So let her see. Then, then uh, distorted thinking practice number one is this, passive language. Now, this is for you English majors. You can correct me. Remember your grammar. Active voice means someone is doing something. An active voice is someone is doing something. Passive voice indicates that something is being done. So an active uh, statement is, I quit my job. That's active. Passive is, I was laid off. Okay, so active is, I quit my job. Passive is, I was laid off. The problem, though, is, uh, there's no problem with active and passive uh, language, but the problem is, is when we use passive language to explain our choices in a way that we disown our responsibility. And I, we've all used this one, so, so here we go. I was prevented from coming to the meeting on time by the traffic, right? That wasn't your fault. It was the traffic's fault, right? That's a passive statement. But the reality, you could probably say, I chose to read emails too long before I got in the car, right? Some of you have done that. I'll be honest, I've done that before. The, the next statement is, the opportunity to bring up the problem didn't come up in the conversation. That's a passive statement. It wasn't my fault. It just didn't, the opportunity didn't arise. The reality is this, I felt awkward, so I didn't say anything. Are you following me? So we can, we can make excuses with a passive voice. So another one is this, she, she made me go to that horrible movie. It was her fault. Remember that Adam and Eve thing? Adam, it was her fault that she made, okay. So what you're saying is, I gave her control of my choices. You see what I'm saying? The last one is, I'm waiting on God to find me the perfect job. I'm waiting on God to find me... So in other words, it's His problem. And it should be, I don't want to send out resumes, call people, knock on doors. Right? So we, a lot of times, will make things passive and we'll, we'll blame it on and we'll try to deal with the reality. Well, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. The problem is you're not dealing with reality when you do that. Amen? I know this is a lot of information. Letter D, distorted thinking number two. You'll get to all this later. Distorted thinking number two, negative thinking. Now, I can camp here just for a few moments. We all do this, right? It seems that sometimes our minds just think negative, right? It just sometimes is just the, the worst is going to happen. This bad is going to happen. So, so you've got to say, God, help me overcome this. In fact, researchers show that people that think negatively most of the time, they focus on three things, themselves, um, the world and the future. They think themselves as unlucky. They're losers. Okay, don't ever think that. That's a lie from the devil. You're not a loser. You got it? Okay, the next is, the world is unfriendly to them. The world just hates me. The world doesn't hate you. It hates everyone. 
<laughs> or it loves everyone. It's either one, either one or the other. The other is they don't see their future as positive. It's bleak. It's dark. The economy is going to fail. The, the government's going to fail. I mean, in fact, there are some, and please don't get me wrong. That I get emails weekly that the United States is, is just, it's going to end tomorrow. And, and I, let me just tell you, I am not a prophet. I am a preacher. I am called to encourage you. I am called you to help live a godly life. So that if it does end tomorrow, you're still having faith in God. Amen? And so I get these, the world's ending tomorrow and, and the economy's bad. I get those emails every day. But I say, God, let me filter through that. Let me deal with reality. If there's something truthful about that, let me deal with it. But let me live with hope. Amen? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 20:11, God gives us a hope and a future. Amen? God gives us a hope and a future. Ask God to help you live a reality-based thinking pattern. Be positive. Amen? Letter E, distorted thinking is defensive thinking. I don't want to go there too long, but we, we, we are defensive about the way our life is. And, and, and we're, we're not willing to change it. I know that the older that I get, the more set I get in my ways. I'm less apt to try new things the older I get. Okay, I understand that. That's just part of us. It's hard to change your life sometimes, but so we get defensive about it, especially when it's okay or things just aren't going right. We get defensive. Hey, you need to change. I don't need to change. You need to change. Right? And so you need to say, God, help me not to be so defensive about my life all the time, especially if I need to grow. Are you good? Number four. Here we go. Let's go to the positive side of the message. Are you ready now? Some of you are like, yay! Two more hours and we'll be done. All right? Number four, steps to thinking better. Here we go, steps to thinking better. To reach your God-given potential, you need your mind to be your ally and your friend, not your enemy, right? You need to make your mind your ally, it's your friend. Again, don't beat yourself up. You see, a a mind that is plagued with excuses, a mind that is negative, a a mind that has negative uh, or passive discouragement is like an engine full of sludge and and it just doesn't get you where you go. You put on the gas and it just doesn't go. And so when you try to apply your brain, it doesn't go. So here it is, number one, step number one, letter A, is commit yourself to raw reality. Commit yourself to raw reality. Okay, I talked a little bit about that last week. Reality, reality for you may not be pleasant, but it is what it is, right? So you're in debt. Find, have God help you. Your relationship's broken. Have God help you. You're sick. Have God heal you. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it, reality is harsh sometimes. It's raw. You need to deal with it. You need to come to grips with it, right? But you need to know that there is a God that loves you. Amen? That God can change reality. In fact, God works in reality. Do you understand that? He takes reality and He can change reality. He can work through reality. He is God. Amen? Commit yourself. Uh, having, having this mindset to say, you know what, I'm going to have positive thinking. I'm going to commit to raw reality. It's like, it's like rebooting your computer. How many of you love it when your computer crashes or locks up? And aren't you glad that you have this reset button? Isn't that cool? Some of you don't. You, you can unplug it and reboot and it's a fresh start. And so reality is okay. This is the reality. It's, it's a reset button. It gives you a new mindset. In fact, here's what Lamentations say. Check this out. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Isn't that awesome? Oh, come on. You should be shouting. You should be screaming. Because of God's love for us, we are not consumed. For His compassions, what? Never fail. Listen to this. They are what? New every morning. Great is your face. That's every morning you should repeat this. If you're a negative person, you know, it's, you know it's cloudy, it's sunny, traveling. You should say, you know what? Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. So you can get a reboot every day. Isn't that awesome? A new day every day because, amen, thank you. Because God is on the throne. Okay, sure, I've got this issue, but God can help me overcome it today, tomorrow. Amen? The next thing, let it be steps to, to have right thinking, is become a humble person. Man, we are, we are a society that's just becoming full of ourselves. Right? We are full of ourselves. Toot your own horn. Say how good you are. Tell everyone how bad they are. And, and humility is a, great, is a trait of greatness. Listen to this. Humility is a trait of greatness. You look at our society, you look in the Bible, people that did great things were 99% of the time humble people. Now this doesn't mean they were not floor mats. A lot of times we think humility is an aspect of timid people who see themselves as trash. That's again, that's not from the Lord. Humility says, I know who I am, I know what I believe, and I don't care what other people think about me. I don't care if they think I'm a loser, I don't care if they think I'm cool or not, I am who God made me to be. And I'm going to live out what God has called me to live. Amen? Humility also says, I'm going to give up my idea of the past and my problems and my limitations because great is God's faithfulness. His mercies are new every day. Yes, I made a mistake yesterday. Yes, I fell to that temptation. But today is a new day. Amen? Humble yourself and say, God, I want to be right with you. I want to go forward now. Okay? Number three. Step number three. Be a self-observer. Instead of judging, and I'm good at this, I can look at someone, I can assess sometimes wrong or right, but I can be a judge of them too. A self-observer looks at themselves and says, okay, what am I doing wrong? God, how can I change? Okay? We don't like to self-observe, we like to self-obsess. What's in it for me? What's the church going to do for me? What, what is this good job? See, what can I do to become a better Christian? What can I do to become a better citizen? What can I do to be a better worker? Or owner. Do you see what I'm saying? A self-observer says, okay, where am I? In fact, how many of you love, like, musicians? Three of you? Okay, most of you buy CDs. In fact, we had great musicians this morning. And, and like, to, uh, lately I love classical music. I've been in a kick. And I've been listening to the William Tell Overture, you know. Uh, and I've also been listening to, uh, uh, um, um, I, anyway, I can't think of his name right. It's, it's the, wedding, the Italian Wedding March. Um, Anyway, and so just listening to the music, and I just love it. And I think professional musicians practice until they get it perfect. They just keep working at it. And they observe, okay, I hit a wrong note there, my, my violin's out of tune, and they just keep working. A, a professional athlete, for instance, like you know, on God's football team that had humbled this past Monday night, the Denver Broncos, by the way, now because they're professional athletes, they're going to work at trying to get better this Sunday for today's game, Okay. As a Christian, you should be a self-observer. Say, okay, I made some mistakes here, but I can fine-tune. Do you see what I'm saying? Instead of saying, well, I, just, I can't do it. That, again, you say, I can. I can change. I can grow. I can be a better husband. I can be a better wife. I can be a better single person. I can be a better this. I can, I can do better through God. Amen? Are you following me? So be a self-observer. Look at your life and say, okay, what can I do? It will help you move from I can't to I can. In fact, you need to write this down. Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this, that is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. With God. Amen? God can change any situation. Are you with me? Philippians 4.13, You know this, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Now this was talking about Paul saying, I've been through good times, I've been through bad times, I've had a lot, I've had a little. I can do all things. You can do all things. Amen? It's time for you to take ownership of your life. You doing good? We're getting down to the end. 
Step letter D, number four, letter D is forgive. You need to forgive. Unforgiveness is a poison of the soul that will keep you in the past, will keep you angry. I know some of you have been looked over for a job promotion. You've had your contract turned down because, because someone else, had, were, were they, there was a family issue or, or, or you just got looked over because they didn't like you, whatever. Maybe you've, maybe you've had a, a, something else happening. Let me tell you, when you forgive, you cancel a debt. When you forgive, you free yourself from hate. When you forgive, you free yourself of the past. Amen? You've got to forgive people. Well, they, Pastor Sam, you don't understand what they did to me. Maybe I don't, but God does. And Jesus said, if you cannot forgive someone, God cannot forgive you. You've got to forgive. You've got to let go. Well, Pastor Sam, you don't understand. That tribe, they did this to my tribe. When did it happen? A hundred years ago. Okay, you need to let that go. No, you don't understand because way back in, in the first century, this clan, this tribe, this nation did that to my nation. Were you even around? No. Okay, you need to let go of that. Well, Pastor Stan, you don't understand. I, stop making excuses and just forgive. You will be free. Your mind will begin to think of good thoughts because you see, when you don't forgive, what is, what's your thought on? The object of hate. The person that scorned you. The person that lied you. The person that cheated you. You're always saying, oh... Uh, and especially if they're your boss or a coworker or a family member, and you're always just always thinking about it, who has control of your mind now? The enemy of your soul, yourself, the negative thinking. You've got to let go. Because then your focus changes. Forgiveness releases us from prison, enabling us to flush out the hurt and the pain and to have great thoughts, and then you can start thinking of how to go forward. Amen? Step number five. I know this sounds a little weird, but step number five. Counter bad mental slogans with good mental slogans. Now, especially during campaign, you're starting to see yard signs and campaign slogans and all that. Your mind has a slogan all the time, going in your mind all the time. I'm such a loser. I'm a bad person. I'll never get ahead. No one cares about what I do. I'm stuck. I keep making mistakes. I'm such a failure. You see, you have these mental slogans going on in your mind all the time. You can change those things, right? Right? Did you know that? You can. Remember, I read, I read to you uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I read that. It's constantly... Uh, can you, do I have it? Deuteronomy 6. These commandments I give to you today are upon your hearts. Uh, put them upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates. In other words... What God was saying was think good thoughts, read the Bible, know the Bible, so that you can overcome these negative thoughts. Amen? So start thinking to yourself, okay, sure, I made a mistake, but you know what? I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Say, I'm an overcomer through Christ Jesus. Now believe it, okay? Then say, hey man, you don't have to repeat this, but just say, God has given me a, a hope in the future. Jeremiah 29.11. Memorize that scripture. God gives me a hope in the future, Amen? Sure, things are bad right now, but I have a hope in the future, amen? Listen, as I will not wait for life to find me, I will find life. I will find it. I will go out there. I'm going to make something happen. I am the only person, say this to yourself too, I am the only person who can own my dreams. And I choose to own them. Stop blaming and start taking control of your life, amen? You see, God gave you a brain as a tool to see reality as what it is, and then for you to act and think properly and to get control of your life. Amen? You can control your thinker. 
you can control your brain. You can control your life by beginning to think right. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? Would you just start taking charge of your life by thinking right? By saying, God, help me to get rid of negative thoughts. God, help me to get rid of these passive thoughts. Lord, help me to stop blaming and let me start taking control of my life this morning. Amen? Would you just close your eyes and just bow your heads? I just want to pray. I'm not going to call anyone to the front. I just want you to respond as the Lord will lead you this morning. I want you to respond as the Lord will lead you this morning. This morning, I think God is trying to call all of us, including me, Pastor Stan, to change my, our thought patterns. We can go from negative to positive. We can go from being discouraged to, to, to going forward in God. And so I want you to respond this morning. Some of you need to say, you know what, Pastor Stan, I think catastrophically. I think that the worst is going to happen, and I want God's help to deliver me from that. With your eyes closed, heads bowed, just for the privacy fact, I'm going to keep my head down too. If you're saying, you know what, I need to be delivered from catastrophic thinking, that everything's going to go bad and the world's going to end tomorrow, and if that's you, just quickly raise your hand. I'm not looking down. No one else look around. Just raise your hand up and down real quick. Hand up and down real quick. Come on. I know there are some of us in this room. I'm not looking now. Hands down. Dear Lord Jesus, help us to be delivered from catastrophic thinking. Because God, yes, bad things happen, but also great things happen as well. And so, Lord, the economy could crash tomorrow, but we could still be delivered through it by you, God. So, Lord, help us to stop thinking all the bad thoughts. Let us stop filling in the, in, in the bad thoughts and start thinking good thoughts. In Jesus' name. Now, with your eyes closed, heads bowed. Some of you say, Pastor Stan, I want to get control of my distorted thinking. If that's you, say, I want to get control of my distorted thinking. Would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me. I want to get control of my distorted thinking. Hands up.